We have learned that if a woman finds a kesem, a bloodstain on her clothes, in a position that there is a possibility that it came from her uterus, it is nidoblad. So although it's only a doubt, and according to the Torah, her status until now has been that she is pure, and the concept of chazaka tells us that we assume that her status continues to be the same as it has been until now, so she would be pure still. And even though there is a doubt that possibly this blood is nidoblad, in which case she is Tome, since it's a doubt, the concept of Chazakos says that we assume that she is still pure. Nevertheless, Medira Bonon, when she finds a Kesem, such a bloodstain, then we are concerned that it is Nidoblad and that she is Tome. Since it is, however, a rabbinic stringency, if there is another reason that we are able to think of for what caused that bloodstain to be there, for example, she slaughtered an animal that day, so it's very possible that the blood came from there. So then we are able to attribute that blood to the slaughtering, and we would not assume that she is a nidor, even midrabanon. Now what happens if she lent her shirt, Choluk is a long shirt, a type of robe really, to a non-Jewish woman or to another woman who is a nidor? And they wore it, and then when she took that item of clothing back, she didn't check it for any bloodstains, but she wore it herself. And then later on, after she also wore it, she then found a bloodstain there, and there is now a doubt whether the blood came from her or from the previous woman to whom she had lent that robe. Now, Midra Bonon, a non-Jewish woman, we always consider her to be like a nidor. So if we attribute the blood stain to the woman who had borrowed that item of clothing, then really there's no effect caused, because anyway, they have the status of a nidor. Now, statistically speaking, there is no more likelihood that the blood came from the non-Jewish woman or from the nidor than it is that it came from this woman who owns the item of clothing. Nevertheless, she is able to attribute the bloodstain to the nidor, to the non-Jewish woman, since anyway, the whole idea of considering her a nidor based on the kesem is a stringency midrabanon. As soon as we're able to attribute it to something else, we do, and we are able to be lenient, and the woman who owns the robe will be considered pure. If there were three women who wore one shirt, one robe, and only after they all wore it, only then did they check it for any bloodstains. Or if they sat on one bench, and after that, they found blood on the robe or on the bench. The Mishnah says, in this case, they are all considered to be Tomei. Since there is no reason at all to attribute the blood to one of the women more than the others, so we are forced, as it were, to attribute it to all of them out of doubt meaning it definitely came from one of those three women, and to the extent that none of them, it's more likely that it came from them than the others, so all of them are in this situation that possibly the blood came from them, and thus they are all considered to be Tomei out of doubt. Now the Mishnah brings a fascinating opinion, Yoshua al-Safshel shall even, if the women sat on a stone bench, or on a bench that is attached to the ground in a bathhouse. The significance of the fact that it's made out of stone, or that it is attached to the ground, is that it is not able to become Tomei. Stone is a material that can never become Tomei, and likewise, just like the ground can't become Tomei, so too anything that is attached to the ground can't become Tomei. In such a case, Rabbi Nechemya Metaher, Rabbi Nechemya says that all of the women would be considered pure. Shahir Rabbi Nechemya Oimer, 
because Rabbi Nehemia would say he was of the opinion that Kol Dovash Enomakabal Tumor, anything that is not able to become Tomei, Enomakabal Kasomim, the rabbinic stringency of a bloodstain indicating that the woman is possibly a Nidor, also does not apply. And the truth is, Rabbi Nehemia would hold this even in a case where just one woman was sitting there, not three. The Mishnah is talking about a case of three because that was the first case of the Mishnah, but the point is that according to Rabbi Nehemia, if we find a bloodstain on something that cannot become Tomei, then we would not consider the woman to be a nidor based on that bloodstain. Now, at first glance, this reason seems very puzzling, because the fact that the item on which we found the bloodstain can't become Tomei is totally irrelevant. The question that we have in our minds when we see the bloodstain is, did the blood come from the woman, in which case she is a nidor because blood exited her uterus, her womb, or did it not come from there? What's that got to do with the type of material on which the bloodstain was found? And the truth is, it's not entirely clear what the explanation of Rabbi Nehemiah's opinion is. One possible explanation that we can suggest, although I didn't see this mentioned anywhere, is something based on what we came across in Masech's Mikvois, that when talking about chazokas, which is something that we presume based on a status of a particular item or person at a different time, for example, if somebody until now has definitely been pure, and we have a doubt whether or not they became Tomei, they became impure, so the concept of chazaka says that we should continue to presume that the status is as we have known until now. Now, there's a very important rule in the world of chazokas, in these presumptions that are made, that it must be based on an immediate sort of what we see at first glance. If we need to do all sorts of calculations in order to arrive at that conclusion, then we don't we don't say the concept of chazaka. Because the idea of chazaka is that we presume something to be in accordance with how we see it at first glance. If something until now has been pure and we don't know of a change, so the initial way that we associate with that item is as a pure item. And there are a number of cases in Meseches Tarus, we also came across a number of examples that express this fundamental idea. And possibly according to that, we can more easily understand the opinion of Rabbi Nehemia in this Mishnah. When one sees a kesem, a bloodstain, on a woman's dress or a woman's robe, if that itself is something that can become Tomei, so when we see that bloodstain with our initial assumption, although it's very possible the bloodstain came from a different source, but the initial assumption way of looking at it is that it is blood that came from a woman's uterus, it's nidor blood. In which case, when we see such a dress or robe, we look at it as something that is Tomei. Now, to the extent that we are saying that the dress is Tomei because we look at it as blood that came from a nidor, so that automatically means that the woman is also going to be considered Tomei. Because the entire reason that we said that the dress is Tomei is because we're assuming the blood came from her. However, if the item on which we find the bloodstain can't become Tomei, so there's never a discussion as to the status of the item. We only have a question with regards to the status of the woman. Is she a nidor or not? Now, when defining the status of the woman, again, which we don't know the exact status of the woman, but we're coming to assume certain things, in order to make these assumptions, we're not able to look at external sources and bring external proofs and assumptions based on other things, based on a bloodstain that was found elsewhere. Because that is a big rule in the concept of chazaka, the concept of making assumptions, so that it's always got to be based on something that, that is simple to see. It's an initial thing that we see and view the case at hand as opposed to via bringing external proofs and doing calculations to work out what we should assume. 
So if the item on which the blood thing was found can become Tomei, then we are forced to discuss the status of that item. Is it Tomei or is it Tahar? And with regards to the item, there certainly is an assumption that can be made that we see a bloodstain on there. The initial assumption is that it's blood of a Nidor. So we would assume that item to be Tomei, and automatically if that item is Tomei, because we're assuming that it's Nidor blood, so the woman is Tomei. But if there's no question or discussion with regards to the item at all, and we're going straight to discuss the status of the woman, so there's no initial assumption with regards to the woman unless we start looking at outer external sources like the bloodstain which is on a different item, and that we're not able to do because this goes against that basic rule of Chazakas. This is quite a deep point, so no worries if that wasn't totally understood. Either way, it's just a suggestion that I didn't actually find written anywhere. If there were three women who slept on one bed, and blood was found underneath one of them, but they were sleeping very close to each other, and since when one sleeps, he does move about a little bit, it is very possible that that blood came from any one of those three women. And there's no reason to attribute the blood to any one of them more than the other two. And because of that, Kulon Tomeois, they are all considered to be Tomei out of doubt based on that blood that was found. The bloodstain, the Kesem. Bodko Achas Mehen, when it says Tomeia, if one of the women checked herself immediately as soon as they found the blood, and she found that she indeed was impure as a Nidor, she found that she herself was a Nidor and that blood had come out of her uterus, she used a cloth to check herself, like we learned about earlier on in the Masechta. Now, she fi- if she checked herself literally immediately, that means that also a second before that, when the bloodstain was found, she also had the status of a nidah. A second earlier, she must have also been a nidah if she just checked herself and she found that she's a nidah. Which means that this is identical to the case in the previous Mishnah, where somebody lent their robe to another woman who is a nidah. And later on, a doubt arises as to whether the blood came from her or from the nidor woman. And the Mishnah ruled that even though, statistically speaking, it could be that there is no more likelihood of the blood coming from the nidor woman than the other woman, since there is a woman who already has the status of a nidor and she is Tomei, the rule is, since anyway it's all a rabbinic stringency, the rule is that we are able to assume that the blood came from the woman who is already a nidor, and we're not going to change the status of the women who until now we have understood to be pure based on that bloodstain. And by the way, it could be that part of the logic behind that is what we just discussed, that the initial assumption when one sees a bloodstain and the question in front of us is from which woman did the blood come, and we know that one of the women already is a nidor, so even though logically, statistically speaking, it could be it's no more likely to have come from the Nidor woman, but it still could be that the initial assumption, the initial reaction that one has when they see the blood is that it came from the woman who we know already had blood that came out of her. And I'll just add one more point. If you think about it, a regular case of Chazoko, where we have a doubt, did someone become Tomei or not? The doubt is usually a 50-50. There's no more statistical likelihood that they didn't become Tomei. And yet, the concept of Chazaka tells us that we should assume that the status they've had until now continues, and that they did not become Tomei, even though the doubt is literally 50-50. Because this is the concept of Chazaka, that we should go with that initial assumption, that initial viewpoint that we had, that we saw that person as pure, as Tahar, and we're unsure whether that changed, so we continue looking at it at the same way, in, in, in the same way as we have looked at it until now. Be it as it may, if there is a woman who is Tomei already, and there's two women who are, as far as we know until now, pure, and we see a bloodstain, 
we are able to assume that the bloodstain came from the woman who is indeed Tomei. So Hitmeo, she would be Tomei, or Shtein Tohoyos, the other two women would be considered pure. And the Mishnah adds that in an opposite case, where one of the women is in a state that she is very unlike, it's very unlikely that she'll have blood coming out of her uterus. For example, she's an older woman, or she's pregnant. Such women don't really become nidois in that state that they are in. So if that one of those women is in such a state, then the toilois zoibazoi, they are able to attribute the blood to the other women in a case where there is a reason why the blood would not come from them. So that's essentially the opposite of the first half of the Mishnah. The first half of the Mishnah is where there is one woman who is already Tome, there's more of a reason to attribute the blood, a positive reason to attribute the blood to her. And this is the case where there is a reason that the blood should not be attributed to one of the women. That having been said, the if all of the women were not fit to see blood coming out of their womb, let's say they were all pregnant, or they were all old women who are not expected to become nidois, in that case, there's no reason to attribute the blood to any of them more than the others. It could be that essentially there's not really a reason to attribute it to any of them, but we have to attribute the blood from one of them. Midrabonon, when we, when we see a kesem, a bloodstain, the assumption is that it came from the woman who was next to it. And since none of the women are more likely or less likely to have been the nidar, we need, we were sort of forced to view them as if they are fit to become nidais, and they would all be considered tome out of doubt, because there's no reason why it should be attributed to one of them more than the others, and therefore it has to be attributed to each of them. If there were three women who were sleeping in one bed, but in this case they were separated apart from each other more than in the previous Mishnah. The Nimtso Dom and blood was found underneath the middle woman, the woman who was sleeping in the middle. The Mishnah says, they are all considered to be Tomei, because even though they are separated apart from each other, it is possible that they moved about a bit whilst they were sleeping and shoveled over a little bit, so it could have come from any of them. Tachzapanimis, if the blood was found underneath the woman who was m- most inwards, on the inner side of the bed, the two inner women will be Tome. So her and the woman who's sleeping in the middle next to her would be Tome, because the blood could have come from one of them. But the woman who's sleeping on the outer part of the bed, she's two positions away from where the blood was found. Tahoya she'll be considered pure because it's extremely unlikely that she would have reached the other side of the bed. Likewise, if the blood was found underneath the woman who was sleeping on the outer part of the bed, the two women who are on the outer part of the bed will be Tomei. The panimis tohoya, but the one on the other side, the inner side of the bed, will remain pure. So the the woman who's sleeping in the middle will always be considered Tomei, because she's always next to where the blood was found, or if it was found in the middle, she would be in that position itself. But the women who are on either of the sides of the bed, they would only be Tomei if the blood is found either underneath them or in the position next to them. Om Rabbi Yehuda, Amosai, Rabbi Yehuda clarified, when is this the case? In a case where they all climbed onto the bed via the edge of the bed, the feet of the bed, and they went towards their positions. Or other Mishnayas read, If all three of them went to their positions on the bed in the regular way from the side of the bed, that means that even the woman who is on the other side of the bed we could call it the inner side of the bed, she would have climbed over the position where the of the other side of the bed. 
So in the last case of the Mishnah, where the blood was found on the outer part of the bed, the Mishnah ruled that the woman who is on the other side is not considered to be Tomei. Says Rabbi Yehuda, in a case where she had climbed over that position in order to get to her position on the bed, however, then Kulantmeis, in that case, they would all be considered Tomei, even that woman, because it could be that she was the Nidar, and that the blood stain was created as she climbed over that part of the bed in order to get to her position. All right, continues the Mishnah. If one of the women checked herself immediately when they found the blood stain, and she used a cloth to check herself, and she found that she was still Tahar, she wasn't a Nidar, then he Tahira, she would be considered pure still, whereas the other two who didn't check immediately, they are considered to be Tomei out of doubt. If two of the women immediately checked themselves and they found that they were pure, they were not a nidar, they are considered to be pure. And the third woman who did not check herself as soon as the bloodstain was found, she would be considered Tomei. If all three of them checked themselves immediately and they all found that they were pure, they didn't find any blood that would indicate that they are a nidar. So in this case, we have to attribute the blood to one of them at least. And there's no reason to attribute it to any of them more than the others. And because of that, Kulantmeis, they are all considered to be Tomei. Continues the Mishnah, to what is the matter comparable? The Mishnah wants to relate this to another similar case of doubt. Legal, if there is a pile of stones, which is Tomei, it's impure because a part of a dead body was found amongst the pile of stones. So the stones themselves can't become Tomei, but it means that something that would have touched that pile we would consider to be Tomei because it might have touched the piece of the dead body. Be it as it may, there's this pile that is considered to be Tomei, that got mixed with two other piles of stones that are pure. So one out of three of them is definitely Tomei. If they checked one of the piles and they found that it is pure, they found there was no dead body there, then it would be considered pure, and the other two would be Tomei out of doubt. Shnaim, if they checked two of the piles, or and they found them to be pure, they didn't find the dead body, they would be considered pure, and the third pile that wasn't checked, that would be Tomei, assuming we would assume that that is the pile that has the dead body there. However, if all three of them were checked, and they found all of them to be pure, meaning the dead body wasn't found in any of the piles, so we know as a fact that there is definitely a pile here that has a dead body. If we didn't manage to find it, so that just means that we're not able to attribute the impurity to any one of them specifically, and therefore, they are all going to be considered Tomei Div Rabbi Meir, that is the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Shahoy Rabbi Meir, because Rabbi Meir would say, Kol Anything that is assumed to be Tomei, because we knew that there was a dead body in one of the piles of stones, it is always going to be considered Tomei until you know for certain where the source of impurity is. Since we know that one of them definitely had a dead body there, the fact that we can't find it at the moment is not proof that it's not there. And as such, we need to assume that each of them is possibly Tomei. The Chachom, I mean, the Chachom say, however, that this is not exactly like the case of the bloodstain. Because over here, there is a possibility that even though the dead body was there previously, it could be that it had been taken away. Perhaps a bird came and carried the dead body away. And so, according to the Chachomim, he is able to check by digging into the ground where the stones are until he reaches rock, or to soil that has never been dug, never 
has anything been there, so the dead body is definitely not there, and then he can know for certain that the dead body is not there, and all of the piles will be considered pure. The point is that it's not exactly like the first case of this Mishnah, because over here there is a possibility that we can come to a definite conclusion that there is nothing Tommy over here. Mishnah Vov, as well as the woman being considered a nidor based on the kesem, the blood stain that we find on her clothes, the clothes themselves are also considered to be tome. That's how it all starts, really. In order to purify the clothes, they need to be submerged fully in a mikvah. However, it's not so simple, because the blood which is on the clothes is essentially a source of impurity. So as soon as you submerge it in the mikvah, it's like putting something into the mikvah whilst it's touching the source of impurity itself. That's not going to help it become pure. And because of that, the Mishnah says that before immersing it in the mikvah, we pass, we rub the bloodstain with seven different cleaning agents in order to either remove the blood from there, or to at least make it much more faded and dull in which case we're able to consider it much less significant, and it would no longer be a source of impurity. So what are those seven substances? Tofel, plain saliva, the next Mishnah will go into the details of some of these, Omegurisen, water with a bean flavour, Omeiraglayim, urine neser, this is possibly a type of chalk, Uboiris, this is a cleaning agent that comes from a particular plant, Kamunyov Eshlog, these are also types of plants, types of herbs that are used for cleaning. Now what happens if it's Biloy, if he put the item of clothing into the mikvah without first passing over these things over the bloodstain? The immersion is actually not valid, and the item would still be considered to be Tome. However, it might still be worth passing those cleaning agents over the bloodstain afterwards, because, as the mission is going to save, if he caused there to be contact between items that must be kept pure and the clothes, so those really have become tome because it was never purified. However, if he now rubs the seven substances on the bloodstain and it doesn't go away, and it doesn't even become lighter. And the, the Mishnah says that that's actually a proof that Harizet Seva, the red is actually not a bloodstain, it must be red dye. And therefore, Hatoris to Hairois, the items that need to be kept pure, are still considered to be pure. The inside of bill, and there's also no need to put it into the mikveh again properly because there was never any blood over here. Ovar, should they are, if the blood went away, or at least it became lighter and duller, Harris Akesem, so then it would be clear that it is a bloodstain, Vathoris to that which had to be kept pure has now become Tome, Vatsarach Lahat bill. And if he wants to purify the clothes, he would need to dip it into the mikveh again. But the mission is showing that the passing, the rubbing of these seven substances on the bloodstain is also serving as a proof whether or not it is actually a bloodstain. Because if it is blood, then it would come off with these cleaning agents. If it is something else, like red dye, then it wouldn't necessarily come off.